The economy has been through a bit of a rough ride in recent weeks. The United States has been particularly hard hit by an illness that is forcing businesses to stay closed and people to basically lock themselves up in their homes. Now, in a developed economy like the United States that relies so heavily on household consumption for sustained prosperity, this is really, really bad. Despite the largest stimulus in history being passed earlier this month, unemployment figures have shot up and very realistically looks like this external shock will snowball on top of some underlying faults in the economy to cause an economic crisis that eclipses the 2000s tech bubble and the subprime mortgage crisis of 2008. Now, nobody can really predict the future, and hey, maybe this really will all be over soon and we'll be out of our over-mortgaged homes and back to our offices before we know it. But realistically, it looks like that's a very unlikely outcome. Most people of note from money managers to policymakers agree that this is bad, and it only looks like it's getting worse. So why is it then that amidst all of this chaos and uncertainty, the stock market is on the rise again? Early February 2020 marked the highest point the Dow Jones Industrial Average had ever reached, which was a whole month after the impacts of the virus were well known and it was becoming clear that it would spread internationally. It was only in early March that things got kind of bad. News of international travel and trade restrictions were being implemented, factories being closed and a drop in consumer demand were leading causes of the market, dropping in value by over 30% within a space of two weeks, which was the most severe decline in history. Since then though, it seems as if things have only gotten worse. The disease has hit mainland United States, specifically targeting financial capitals like New York and Los Angeles. Further lockdowns have been enforced and unemployment spiked to its highest point in modern recorded history, all within the space of two weeks. So it would seem reasonable that the stock market, which is made up of companies that are ultimately reliant on employed people going out and spending their money, would continue to fall in value. But it didn't. As of making this video, it has recovered almost half of the value it lost in the weeks beforehand. So what is going on here? Is this complete market irrationality? Is it the fabled dead cat bounce? Or is it actually a legitimate recovery from a decline that was simply a complete overreaction? Well, let's see if we can't find out by starting with the worst case scenario. Cats are curious creatures. They frolic around and jump up and down in ways that are not logical to their human counterparts. And while we study them and watch them and feed them and make millions of videos about them, we still do not really know what's going on in their little feline minds. In many ways, this is similar to the stock market. We study it and make videos on it, but realistically, that thing moves around in ways that are still mysterious to us today. Now, the similarities between a stock market and a cat continue into the more perilous times. If Mr. Tinkles uses up all of his nine lives and passes away, you're going to have a dead cat. Now, curiously enough, if you throw that cat downwards hard enough, fast enough, it's going to bounce. Which, look, in terms of imagery is pretty f to be honest, but make of that what you will. Now, markets have the same thing happen to them. If a market declines in value, there are two logical outcomes. It goes all the way down to zero, or it eventually ticks upwards. There really is nothing else it can do. Now, during an economic downturn, there are people that want to speculate on the bottom of the market. Long-term investors will see it as a great opportunity to get some stocks that are effectively on sale, and even more complex investors may look to close out short positions by buying up stocks. Either way, there is just as much money to be made picking the bottom of the market as there is picking the top. Now, people are irrational beings driven by emotion. 
So, if their plan actually was to buy at the bottom of the market and they just see one day in the green, they may decide that it's time to buy, buy, buy so as to not miss out on the market turnaround. There is normally a lot of media hype around this as well. People will talk about a V-shaped recovery, news sites will point to the Christmas crash of 2018, and institutions with a vested interest in a market recovery, up to and including the federal government, will not dissuade people from the idea that this is all over. This causes more people to buy in, causing the price of stocks to rise even more as people develop the fear of missing out on the rebound. But of course, the reason a dead cat bounce in the stock market is so scary is because just like a real dead cat, eventually gravity wins out and everything comes crashing down once again. It is quite possible that as bad earnings reports come out or the confidence injected by huge stimulus wears off, the reality of the situation will once again be at the forefront of people's minds and they will start panic selling all over again. The dead cat bounce, also sometimes called a bull rally is a slightly more palatable name, has been a feature of almost every major financial crisis to date. 1929, 2001, 2008 and all of the more minor instances in between. They all followed this kind of pattern. Now while past performance is not an indicator of future returns, the patterns do start to look awfully familiar. Now the decline in the markets in March were the most rapid in history. If this really is a dead cat bounce, then by extrapolating out this decline, we could be in for a really, really rough year. But stocks are weird. It goes beyond a reasonable doubt the economy will be feeling the effect of this crisis well into the future. But stocks are not always aligned with the rest of the economy. And there is a few reasons why they may not be in for the same level of doom and gloom as everyone else. There is no doubt that corporations are experiencing some short-term pain right now. Sales are down in retail, tourism has all but stopped, and industries that support these industries are feeling the second-hand pain. Almost every company short of toilet paper suppliers are operating on reduced income, which considering the level of business debt in the system can get really ugly really fast. And normally it would, but it hasn't, at least not yet. A big reason for this, of course, is governments and central banks around the world opening up the taps on unlimited money meaning that businesses should be able to borrow more money at lower interest rates to ride out this storm. Failing that, a lot of larger institutions are counting on generous government handouts to maintain operations. Now, government bailouts can be good or bad for a company. A good company bailout is when the government just gives a large corporation lots and lots of money to remain operational. If, for example, the United States decides that American Airlines is too essential to the public good to cease operations, it has the right to just give it money so that they can stay in business and hopefully go back to providing air travel and employment once this is all over around Easter long weekend and oh. This kind of direct bailout normally will come through in three ways. A direct deposit, which is literally, here you go, have some money. A very liberal loan that will have very little to no interest as well as very generous repayment criteria. Or it will be a tax concession. Now the last option is pretty unlikely given that companies like American Airlines normally have a very loose relationship with actually paying income taxes anyway, so most likely it will be a little bit of a direct cash benefit to ensure that standard operations will continue and the rest of it will be dished out in very generous loans. Of the $2 trillion stimulus package, around $500 billion is destined for large corporations. 
with around $425 billion of that being in loans. Which is, you know what? Pretty fair. It's still pretty far from the free market ruthlessness that these corporations lobby for during the period of good times, but at the end of the day, they will have to repay this debt. Now for shareholders, this is also a pretty good deal as well. Most sensible shareholders should be purchasing for the long term. So these loans and this stimulus means that the companies that they are invested in or are looking to invest in will live to see another day. Ergo, there's ultimately a backstop on how far these prices will fall. Now of course, the more laissez-faire approach to all of this would just be to let these companies fail. Turn around and ask them why they didn't have a 6 month emergency fund saved up to make them feel bad for all those smashed avocado stock buybacks. If these companies really were offering an essential service, another competitor should quickly move in to fill this space. And if not, you can always nationalise the business. Now, either of these options are terrible for investors. If the company goes bankrupt, well, you lose all of your investment. And if the business is nationalised, well then you will normally lose almost all of your investment. But it doesn't look like this is going to be the reality. In fact, some much needed good news for large businesses came around pretty early this week when Bernie Sanders announced that he was dropping out of the presidential race. Sanders was a potential candidate that had a much more hostile stance towards big businesses than the now assumed Democratic candidate, Joe Biden. Whoever wins later this year, be it Biden or Trump, large companies can rest easier knowing that they aren't going to, you know, feel the burn for the fundamental mistakes that they have made as a business. Again, this was a nice little boost to prices on the last day of trading before the Easter long weekend. So alright, there are a few short term solutions keeping the wider economy on life support at the moment, but an economy can't live on life support forever, and surely investors realise that. Eventually these companies are going to have to face a pretty grim reality, right? Well, yeah. If this does last longer than a few months, it's going to be extremely bad. Nobody denies that, but maybe one of the biggest drivers of this irrational market is that there's just no alternative. Cash is the counter asset to almost every transaction that we make. It's realistically impossible to buy or sell anything in a modern economy without using cash. And this makes it a very valuable thing to hold because in turn it can be used to buy anything you want, from the latest iPhone to index funds. Now I am sure you have all seen the memes of money printers going brrrr as federal and national governments around the world announce almost unlimited spending to ensure that financial systems stay in place and all of that lovely stimulus we talked about earlier is funded. Well, a lot of people correctly point out that printing money like this will cause inflation. And that's true in a sense, but it isn't the whole picture. You see, the fear of an impending economic crash has meant that a lot of people are holding their budgets a little bit tighter, and that is for people that haven't lost their jobs. On top of this, of course, there are millions of people who have lost their jobs, which is drastically cutting down household budgets. The cherry on top? Even if people did want to go out and spend, they can't because they are stuck in their homes. This means that a lot of things outside of toilet paper, canned food and animal crossing have gone on sale. Stores that can't afford to hold on to inventory are already going out of business and are doing sales on consumer items all over the world. The aggregate result of everything going on sale is that the general price level of goods is reduced and the price level of goods coming down is called deflation, which is kind of the opposite of what everyone was fearful of. This money printer problem may catch up with us later though, but in the short term, inflation is nothing to be worried about in almost any major economy the world over, 
at least not in the consumer market. But what about somewhere else? Having more money floating around has caused inflation somewhere, right? And correct you are. It's just that at the moment, it's almost exclusively in financial markets. Things like quantitative easing, the unrestricted purchase of junk bonds by the Federal Reserve, and government stimulus has put a lot of money into the financial markets. And just like a banana is subject to inflation, so too is a company's stock. It's a bizarre reality to grapple with, but take Apple for example. Its stock price is back to its trading price in December. It has realistically lost no ground. But if you were purchasing Apple stock in December, you were buying into a company with huge cash reserves, an impeccable brand image, a thriving sales portfolio, and extremely loyal customers. Arguably, it was very deserving of its $265 price tag per share. Today, Apple has been hit just as hard as any other company out there. It has had to shut down stores all over the world, its manufacturing centers have been slowed or closed, and supply chain limitations are causing serious headaches. But yet, the $265 price tag remains. What gives? Well, a lot of that is inflation. That Apple share is realistically not nearly as valuable as it was in late 2019. The only reason the price tag is the same is because of acute inflation in the financial markets. It's an odd phenomenon, but it must be remembered that shares are a lot like a currency pair on a foreign exchange market. They can rise in price in two ways. Either the share increases in value because the company has genuinely better underlying characteristics, or the share increases in value because the cash denoting it decreases in value. Ray Dalio, the most successful hedge fund manager in the world, has based almost his entire asset management plan on predicting macroeconomic trends. He has recently said in an interview that he is not certain about the future of equities in the current market, but he almost guarantees that cash is not the place to be keeping your money. Cash is trash, is how he so eloquently put it. Beyond this, typical hedge assets like oil and most notably gold are not the safe havens they once were. If anything, today, they are just typical asset classes, positively correlated with the greater economy, just like everything else. What must really be remembered throughout all of this is that markets do not really react to bad news, they react to uncertainty. If some invisible enemy threatens to kill millions of people, oh yeah, that is scary. When the same thing actually does happen, Oh well, it's already been priced in. If anything, during the rebound, the markets have gained some certainty. They know that the government is going to print their way out through the problem, they know Mr. Socialism over there isn't going to hurt them anymore, and they also know that there is ultimately not much of an alternative out there anymore. Long-term investors in the period of quantitative easing basically have two options. Buy up value investment like stocks and real estate, or if you're less positive about the future prospects of the nation, buy up a bomb shelter with enough canned food to last you until the dawn of the next empire. Anything else just looks as if it's going to be eroded away by inflation. But who knows? The markets can stay irrational longer than any logical man can stay solvent, no matter how big their money printer is. Will we see further declines? Yeah, sure, probably. You can't go through a disaster of this scale and not feel the pain of it somewhere. Reality still somewhat applies to macroeconomics. And finally, it must be noted that despite all of the money printer memes that even I myself are guilty of perpetuating, governments are kind of doing the right thing right now. Yes, all of these actions are artificially keeping the economy propped up, and yes, it is unsustainable long term, but hopefully it stays together just long enough so that they can face this crisis first 
and then the economic crisis later. All we can really do in the meantime is enjoy the ride. Hi guys, I hope you enjoyed this latest video. If you did, please consider liking and subscribing. Big thank you to our new patrons over on Patreon as always. Your support really does make this channel possible. Thanks guys. I hope this topic has stirred up a bit of controversy that we can talk about in our Q&A session, hosted over on the Economics Explained Discord server, and live streamed on the second channel. All of that's linked in the video description. So if you do have any questions, queries, or concerns, hop over there. Thanks guys. Bye.